one thing that we're really going to try to focus on this year is selling franchises. And we're going to invite them in for a week. And that's going to be the training center for the franchisees. This is the Contractor Momentum Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Phillip, and today's guest has had some serious momentum over the last five years in the window and door space. A few of the things we cover are his plans for growth through franchising and the experience that he has had so far with his first franchisee, running TV ads, which is something I have no experience with, and the value or lack of premium commercial placement in terms of where you're having your actual physical warehouse and showroom located. If you have any questions for myself or Chris, head on over to our Facebook group, look for the link somewhere around the podcast player, and drop a new thread. Now let's jump into it with Chris Carey. Chris, welcome to the Contractor Momentum Podcast. Thanks, Corey. I appreciate the invite. As customary on this podcast, why don't you start by giving our guests an overview of who you are, your business, the whole story leading up to today, January something 2020. All right. So I'm Chris. My business is Windows Direct USA. You know, we've we started in 2014, so not not too not too old, but not too young. So just not even quite five years, actually, or actually just over five years, right? Worked for another company before, didn't really see a future there. I mean, my my life was changing. What they were wanting me to do was changing. The pay was changing, so I feel like it was time to to go off on my own and do my own thing. So, 2014, quit my job. Actually, quit my job three days before I got married, believe it or not. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so talk about some life change, right? Yeah, that's some life change. If you're going to move the needle, you were freaking moving the needle right there. Yeah. So luck, I was lucky to have a very supportive fiance. But, you know, she knew it was coming. She was uh, wanting me to do what, what I thought was best for me and for our family. And, you know, she just got a teaching job at the job at the time. So I was like, you know, worst thing fails, you know, we go under. Still got a little bit of income, which we all know teachers don't really make that much money, but uh, at least we can eat, right? So just try to try to plan it out ahead of time, you know, make sure we have plenty in the bank to get through a year without, I didn't want to have to dip into the company funds. So I made sure I had a year's worth of expenses saved, personal. So that, that was, and I'll tell you, so kind of interesting. I didn't have the money to even start this business. I was just so fed up with my previous employer, like cutting pay every time, you know, I'd get a big check, you know, make three or $4,000 a week in commission. He would look at it like it's too much. So I actually didn't even have the money to start this business. I had pretty good credit, you know, banks, they're not going to give someone money to start a business, you know, especially when you're 26, 27 years old Mm -hmm. with no assets. Right. So I actually applied for half a dozen credit cards with the 0% interest. uh, (laughs) Yeah. And that's where I got the money to start the business. Like I had 40, I think 47, $48,000 in credit cards that I took advances on Uh and put that in the bank account. And that's where I got the money to start. Let me ask, you started in 2014. How long before 2014 had you been planning to do it? So I actually looked at probably about 2012, I really started thinking, hey, this is something I can do on my own. I don't need to work somewhere. I, I can do this. And, you know, I talked to actually a couple different franchises that were for sale. Didn't feel like, you know, going to fit with what I was trying to do. And uh, I didn't want to, I don't want to be in the same position where someone could tell me, you know, what products I got to sell or with this or that. Even though they offered great support, I just want to do my own thing. So I started in 2012 really looking into it. Once again, decided 
I didn't have the money to do it. So I put it off on the back burner. And, you know, my wife or my fiance, you know, she was in college. So it was like, I'm the only one providing any kind of, you know, income period. And 2013, I really started putting a plan together, like a business plan to start Windows Direct and had a different name at first, but, you know, same business plan, put that together, probably eight months worth of work, a lot of work. I mean, it's, it's not something you can do three or four hours here or there. I mean, I probably have several hundred hours into just building the business plan. And I learned pretty quickly that the business plan didn't, it didn't work like I thought it was going to work. So there's oh, definitely, there definitely some hiccups along the way. And when I think about it, it's like, it's amazing to think that I even made it this far, to be honest with you. When I look back at all the adversity that I had originally, it's pretty wild to think that I'm even still here. So Yeah, I, I don't even know how I did it. I mean, when I started GCA, I was 22 years old. I don't, I mean, we had, at that time, we didn't, when we first started, we didn't even have trucks. We were literally running service calls out of cars. We had gorilla ladders that we would fold up, put the back seat of a Nissan Sentra down, stuff two gorilla ladders, you know, in through the trunk, like sticking up to the front seats. You had to move the front seats like forward uncomfortably to get the gorilla ladders in. We were running service calls out of that. And then for bigger projects, we were planning to sub it. We quickly caught on, well, in our case, we'll talk about your case, but in our case, that wasn't working. And... Yeah, that was about it. So about a month into it, you know, we started getting trucks and doing all that stuff. Right. What was your first move? I mean, you know, you you quit your job. What was the first thing you do? So like I said, I mean, I feel like I, well, I didn't have money, but I did plan a few years ahead of time. You know, most people that get a job and what do you do? You're like, the American dream is what? Build, buy a house, you know, or mm-hmm. build a house or whatever. So I actually bought a small multifamily. And I lived in, me and my wife and our two dogs, we lived in a 700 square foot apartment. And the multifamily, I rented the others out. So I had the advantage of not having to pay rent or a mortgage throughout that whole year. But basically, I, I quit my job. We flew out to Jamaica and eloped. And the whole time, I'm like, man, I hope this works. I hope this works. I don't know what I'm going <laughs> to do. I'm kind of freaking out. That, yeah. But I get back and the only, you know, I... I had a website that actually launched while I was in Jamaica and I was planning on doing Google ads and I wanted to have other, one other form of marketing and I did, you know, the worst idea ever and it almost put me out of business, but I did newspaper ads. And the reason I did newspaper ads was because they were the only medium that would make me commit to a long term and there was flexibility because you can only, you can run an ad in, you know, just on Tuesdays as opposed to committing through a year that's going to be $80,000 commitment or $100,000 commitment, I could just commit to three or 4000 So that's that's how I got started. And the leads are slow, obviously. But a big hiccup that I had was I sold a couple of jobs. I didn't have anyone that would sell me windows to install. Oh, wow. It was the manufacturer I had to work, I had a deal worked out with, sold a couple of jobs, and the rep like ghosted me. And finally, like three or four weeks, I'm texting him, emailing, like, man, I got these orders. How do I order them? Blah, blah, blah. And he finally called me back. He said, well, my manager said he doesn't want to sell you windows because you don't have enough volume. I'm like, yeah, no joke. But you knew that going (laughs) in, you know. And so the windows direct name, you know, I was going to get the windows directly from a manufacturer, which a lot of window companies, they can't do that because, a manufacturer doesn't want to send a big semi truck for 30 windows. Like they want a yeah. truckload of windows. So it's, it's not easy to get a direct relationship with the manufacturer. It was like, you need to go to a distributor 
and buy them from a distributor. I'm like, nah, it's not what, that's not what I built my business model around. I don't want to pay a 20% markup or whatever it is to buy from a distribution center. Yeah. I want to buy direct. And, you know, I didn't really have a choice. So I had to buy windows from a distributor for about a year or so until we could pump up the volume where manufacturers started noticing and would take me serious. So that's kind of how we got started. You know, first year was tough. You know, I feel like a lot of people would have given up. You know, the first year I actually didn't pay myself anything, right? Like no, no You're salary. burning through that savings that you had. Burning through the savings, no salary, no commission. And the company profited in the first year, like $6,800. Wow. Now you figure $6,800 for a year, most people would have thrown in the towel, right? Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I was laser focused. I just never, it was never even an option. And a lot of those obstacles like that, they didn't even, at the time, they didn't even affect me. And I didn't even, I didn't even remember them until you invited me to this podcast. I'm like, you know, how did I get started? I'm like, holy crap. I've been through a lot. That stuff happened. But I was just so laser focused on making this work. And I just buried my head down and bullied through all the nonsense to make sure that that it was going to work. You didn't have, I didn't have choice, you know? No, no choice. And I mean, it's amazing what you can and will do when you have no choice. I look back at how I started my company, Gulf Coast Aluminum. And now, you know, obviously there's a lot more capital behind anything I would start. I I don't even know how I pulled it off and I don't even know if I could or would do it again. I will. I wouldn't do it again at this point. Obviously I've got, got additional options, but looking back on it, I don't know how I made it through. So let's fast forward from, you know, 2014, 2015, you know, that first year you only made 6,800 bucks to where are you now? I mean, what does your business actually look like now? Just four years, four short years later. Yeah, you know, we've doubled in size pretty much every year. You know, our slowest growth growth year was last year. I think we're at forty nine percent in growth from two thousand and eighteen to two thousand nineteen. But the, in two thousand nineteen, last year we did a little over seven point one million. Holy moose, that's crazy, yeah. man! For, from where you just were four years ago, it's, it's that's like fire. Yeah. It's kind of crazy to think about. That's you know, some serious I, momentum. <laughs> well, you <laughs> I had know, to drop it, that in there. A lot of that, a lot, yeah, I mean, a lot of that depends on your perspective too, you know, because I, I see that as, you know, we've had some good growth. And a lot of people are like, man, how did you do that? But there's so many companies out there, even in my space, that, you know, they'll, they'll in five years, they'll do 30 million. It's like, how are they doing that? So it's all about mm-hmm. perspective, you know, and I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, there's a saying called success leaves clues, right? So I'm always, always taking notice and trying to network people that are better than what we are and trying to, you know, pick their ear and their brain on what we can do better. And I think that's a lot of what, what's kind of helped us grow is, you know, looking at some of the big players that are, and a lot of them are willing to help, you know, you don't have to go at it alone, you know, so. Let me ask, $7 million in revenue, are you guys still with one location or have you grown to beyond that? Nope. So in 2000 and let's see, 2018, we opened our second location in Louisville, Kentucky in the middle of the year. And that, that location has done great. And then in the middle of last year, June, July, we opened another location in Columbus, Ohio. So we have three physical locations now and we're serving four different markets, Lexington, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, Cincinnati, Columbus. And we have another market that's close by to here. I'm not actively marketing to it, Dayton, Ohio, but we, we do some business in Dayton as well. 
We'll come back to your marketing. Let's talk about what your locations actually look like here. I mean, how much square footage do you have? Are you guys warehouse space, retail space? You putting these in shopping malls or kind of on yeah. the outskirts of town? So, you know, I've actually tried a few different things. So my first space, aside from my house, you know, my apartment <laughs> yeah. and garage. So my first space, you know, I spent all this money that I couldn't even afford really to get a warehouse on the side of the busiest interstate here. I was like, man, we'll have a building on the interstate with a sign. We're going to get so much exposure, so much traffic. And, you know, it was small. It was a small space. But I was I was so stuck on getting that exposure and that traffic. All things relative, what's a small space to you? That was 3,000 square foot. That, that would be big to many, many contracting operations. Okay. Yeah, it was 3,000 square foot, about half warehouse and half office. Yeah, it's like a flex space type of deal. Yep, flex space. So... Now we're, uh, but you know, I, I actually broke that lease. So I've had to break two separate leases due to the growth. Would you say that the highway exposure contributed to your growth? I've often wondered that because there's a couple, you know, flex space style places along the main highway where I am. And, you know, the companies put nice signage on the building. I don't know if it works or not. What do you think? You know, in my experience, it wasn't worth the premium that I was paying for. So if you can get that with, I don't know, maybe a 10 to 20% premium and put that, you know, figure that extra in your ad budget. I think that would be a good idea. How much of a premium were you paying in dollars and cents? I mean, I don't know what's, what, what that goes for up there, but down here, that'd be like typical 3000 square foot flex space. You're probably paying 4,000 a month for in Southwest Florida. Yeah. And that's what well, I was, that was on the interstate space you know, with, with good exposure. That's so you were paying about 4,000 a month. And I mean, what do you feel like you could have gotten 3,000 square foot a block over that's not on the interstate floor? So I have a, a 3,000 square foot showroom and warehouse in our Louisville market and we're paying 1,100 a month. Holy moose. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's so a big, big difference. Big difference. Big yeah. Difference. Yep. But our corporate, or I say our corporate location, our main location here in Cincinnati we're actually expanding right now. We're we're about ten thousand square foot in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, I would say that's probably thirty five hundred square foot of office, and the rest is warehouse. Because, like I said, I've, I've had had to break two leases due to growth, and that's expensive. You know, you might have to pay twenty thirty thousand dollars to get out of a freaking lease. Yeah, how did you even negotiate that? I've never had to break a lease, but I've often wondered, you know, what the first step is because most of the time in these commercial leases you're signing for five years at least. I had a three-year agreement and I had a five-year agreement. Basically, you know, these people that own this real estate, you know, they're, they're business people as well. They know that they can rent it. So one of them I had to pay basically 16 months worth of rent without even living there because they're looking at, well, you know, it's going to take us about six months probably to re-rent it. So they're making an extra 10 months of yeah. rent on top of the new tenant. So most of them are willing to let you out, but you got to pay. I mean, it's it's expensive. So you just got to call them up and open up that dialogue. I mean, how do you even open that dialogue up? Like, hey, I mean, are you just pretty direct? Like, hey, we've had rapid growth. I need to move into a bigger location. What's it going to take? Or do you make the first offer? Yeah. You know, the first offer is basically like, you know, it's just not working for me. I need to get out. Let's figure it out. You know, and there's some pushback, obviously. But at the same time, you know, they're business people as well. You know, if it's not right, it's not right. They're obviously not going to take a loss. So the last one that I was in, like I said, there was some remodeling that they built into the lease as improvements. So I had to cover that and then paid a lot of months for the rent. 
without even being there. So it was a finan- you know, financially it's, it sucked, but yeah, lo- big picture, it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. So where I'm at now, we actually moved in here last, or the the complex that we're in. We moved in here in November 2007. November 2018 is when we moved in here, and it was about 5,000, 4,500 square feet. Just blew that out of the water. And luckily, they had more space in the same complex, so it's an industrial complex. So they allowed us to move to a new unit and extend the lease, obviously. Just roll it over to a new, well, few doors down. Yep. And we were in here for about eight months and we needed more space again. So now we're renting out two more units next door and, and combining them. So we're building a, a call center in the, the other unit and then using the warehouse space and building a really nice training center. I'm super excited about train not only the installation and service crews, but train all the sales guys and or whoever as well. So that'll be cool. I haven't heard of anybody in the window and door space actually building a training center. What's your plan for that? So we do weekly meetings for the sales guys. So we're gonna have we're gonna host our sales meetings over there and do training, role playing. We have some mock up windows in the wall and a door in the wall where we're gonna train the installers or service guys how to properly do things. But one thing that we're really going to try to focus on this year is selling franchises. And we're going to invite them in for a week. And that's going to be the training center for the franchisees. That'll be cool. So actually having yeah, a training center for the franchisees. You mentioned earlier that you had kind of set something up there with the Kentucky deal. That's a franchise? Yeah. So the Kentucky deal, you know, I wanted to grow the business, but I didn't know exactly how I wanted to grow it. You know, typically there's two paths to growth. You know, you can grow it organically within the company, which most people do, or you can go and try to sell franchises and bring on, you know, partners or owners to help grow your brand and grow your business. So I opened up the Louisville location. It's kind of a mixture of both. So it's actually set up as a franchise, but I own half of that franchise as well. So we have the corporate location, Windows Direct USA, and it owns or manages Windows Direct USA of Louisville. And like I said, I, have a, I brought in a partner in that location to run and manage that location. How did you find the first franchisee or partner? You know, it was a lot of trial and error. You know, social media, Facebook, just hitting up my own network. Really, that's, that's how we've, we connected. You know, I had a couple other people that were interested. You know, one of them even signed a franchise agreement and just never followed through. And, you know. Never followed through I, with actually signing a check? Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, you meet and do the do all the paperwork and the agreement, but if there's no check, you know, it ain't happening. Yeah, there's there's no consideration in legal terms. Exactly. So so yeah. So Josh, guy I knew in high school, came came forward with the money, and he was excited about it. Came from a different industry, knew nothing about remodeling or windows or you know measuring or anything. And his first year in business, we did over a million dollars in business out of that location. Holy moose. So that was, I mean, that was, what year was this? That was 2017 or 18 in Louisville? I think it was 18. Yeah, 2018. Okay. So it's been open now. Oh, what did you open it probably? I think you said summer 2018 or am I filling in blanks? Yeah, it's been about 15, 16 months. Damn. So first year, 2 million in, or well, over 1 million in revenue. Nice. In Louisville. First 12 months. Yeah, that is, that is crazy, man. That's awesome. Good stuff. 
Has there been any problems with the franchise arrangement that you've had to, you know, kind of troubleshoot? You know, the first one was kind of, there's, first off, there's a lot of franchise laws out there. Like it's, it's, it's very heavily regulated. Like you can't just say, Hey, I'm selling franchise. So it's, it's very expensive. And that's probably one of the main reasons people don't go the franchise route because you actually have to get registered with the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission. There's a lot of legal things you can and cannot say to, you know, prospective buyers. It's kind of like selling a stock and that's how it's treated by the SEC is like a stock. Hmm. Like you can't, you can't promise any performance stuff. You can't make any promises at all. So the expectations going in, you know, I, I think they were they were set, you know, up front that hey, this is a risk. I did it here in Cincinnati, but that don't mean it's gonna work here in Louisville, yeah. you know. And I can't be in two places at once. So I, I can guide you and I can help you, but I cannot be there, you know. And you know, he was on board for that, and he's he's got a lot of hunger. He works works his ass off, you know. The first three months of starting a business was, I mean, it was challenging, you know, there's just not a lot of leads coming in, right? So, you know, you start this much with the ba- in the bank account, and then, you know, for three months, you watch the bank account do this, and it's like, oh, shit, what's... Yeah, yeah, I mean, you start questioning your plan, your motive, your destination, your destiny. Exactly. So, I mean, you, you start questioning things when you're, you know, having those negative months. I mean, I see it, even in my business, we're fairly well established, but there are periods of the year when we will turn a loss for a month or two. I think we've even had some three-month losses, you know, and we're a sizable operation at that point. And it's kind of, and, you know, we're financially secure, et cetera, but it, you kind of look at it, it kind of starts churning your stomach. It's much Right. It's much better when that number is going up, you know, the cash is going up and there's money to be distributed. So, you know, we did have a discussion and three or four months in about, hey, if this didn't work, what are we going to have to do? And, you know, the reason it didn't work, you know, we were getting plenty of leads. It was just the sales process. At first, he wasn't really converting the leads. Give you an idea the very first appointments. We had two appointments the very first day or not the first day, but the first day we had leads. We had two of them. We went and ate lunch. We're like, all right, if we sell these two appointments, we're going to come back here and we're going to drink. I was like, I'm going to buy a a shot of this. What is it? It's kind of expensive bourbon. Pappy Van Winkle. And we had two appointments that day. And, you know, I'm running the appointments. You know, I've been doing this well. And we sold both of them. 100% closing first day, two appointments, two sales. In his mind, he's probably saying, seeing like gold mine, you know? Right. He's like, this is easy. You know, This is easy. Yeah. We're going to be billionaires next month. And I had to go back to Cincinnati because I got a business. So it's like, yeah. all right, you do this each time. And, you know, there's a learning curve with any kind of sales and new product. And, you know, it took about three months for him to really get the hang of it. But now he just, he goes out there and he gets checks, you know, he's crushing it. And, but, you know, it, it was, it's nerve wracking. So. But he's pretty much held it all together. I mean, you know, you haven't had any major catastrophes or anything considering that you've got essentially what is a franchisee and a partner with no experience even in the industry? You know, I think the big key, we, we laid out the terms on paper early on. That way we knew the expectations of each other. That's very important. Yeah. And we, we've kind of held to those. I mean, I, you know, he knew that I could be there every day running the business. You know, he's the operating partner, which, you know, he's paid a salary to do that. So he's the operating partner and I was going to help with the marketing. And, you know, I have a call center, so we schedule all the appointments take care of all that. So he's just dealing with the local operations and the sales side of it. 
And we actually do all the sales training up here as well. So we actually have a new rep coming up here Monday for training class. We have a two-week sales training class for new hires. And, you know, he comes up here. So, you know, I'm taking some load off of him. So it's not just him out there. He's out there in the field, but, you know, I'm, I'm helping with what I can back here at the, the Cincinnati office. So Right on. So your plan for growth is more franchises. I mean, do you have an actual plan right now for getting more franchisees? I do. So like I said, I, I'm a big believer in not trying to figure out things alone, right? So there's people that have been here before me that have franchised or grown a business or scaled a business. So I try to connect myself and associate with with myself with people that have done it before. So uh, I hired a franchise consultant that's got a pretty good track record of, you know, I mean, a couple of names, I mean, I'm not going to name drop, but I mean, you would recognize several of their clients and you'd be like, holy shit, like that's, that's a major, that's a major franchise system. That so they so a home service, I mean, I'm, I guess there are franchise consultants just for home service businesses. No, no, there's actually, so they do all kinds of businesses. So they look at what okay. it takes to get a franchise. So not just in one industry or not. So, you know, give you an idea, they, they franchise the business that has like 1500 locations and gyms. I mean, I've never looked it up. But it's probably the largest gym out there would be my assumption, but they, they set that program up. You know, it's expensive to hire these consultants, but it's expensive to try to figure it out yourself too, you know, yeah. and make a bunch of mistakes. So we brought in a team. I've got a lot of support from our manufacturing partner. They brought in a guy that's actually worked on the largest window company franchise in the country. And he's been helping me and working on my, my path, you know, and then we've, you know, I've just tried to network, you know, I, I got a phone call set up tomorrow with a guy that owns a hundred million dollar window company. Wow. And it's, you know, a lot of these people out there, there's, there's some of them that want to be paid to help you, right? These consultants, but there's a lot of people out there that, that will help. As long as you're not in their market, obviously. You know, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that are, that want to help, you know, because they get to this level and it's like, you know, what do I do? You know, they want to give back. And part of the way that they give back is by helping others. And there's, there's a lot of info out there and a lot of people that will help you if you ask. That sounds like a good connection to have, man. That's powerful. I'm glad you've got that connection. Look forward to seeing what you do with franchises. Let's shift gears here. How do you keep the leads coming in for Windows Direct? What's working? marketing so we you know i really look at you know when i look at like the top the top people in my industry one thing that really stands out is they are very marketing focused right so it's a lot easier you know most people they have like the, the background on the back end hey i can install a window i don't know how to do this but they don't know how to scale it or grow a business or market it so i really try to focus on marketing as my like my role in the company but we, we have a pretty or somewhat diverse marketing mix. You know, we have, we spend a lot of money on TV advertising, print, like direct mail. We probably, I, we send out like 1.6, 1.7 million direct mail pieces every single month. Holy moose. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of shared mail opportunities where you can send it to a household for fractions of a penny. So that's what we've, we've kind of focused on is the shared mail. So we send out a lot of direct mail, TV, and then digital internet stuff. So roughly, what's the breakdown? Like, where do you get? Where do you see your business coming from? Print, TV, digital. You know, digital gets digital gets a lot of credit. We spend about evenly a third, a third, a third on those amounts. So digital or Google, the website gets a lot of credit. 
but TV pushes people online. Like a lot of TV commercials, you know, where go online, do this, do that, check us out. So if you look at your analytic Google Analytics, you know, the TV stations, they'll send you a report of every time that your commercial ran. And if you look at your analytics when the commercial ran and when you get traffic to your website, there's a correlation. That's cool. But a lot of, but you know, a lot of the leads they'll submit on the website and they may get, they may get attributed to online or the website when in fact they were probably TV. Yeah. Now we, we try, we have, I don't even know, probably two dozen phone numbers. So every single ad that we do, every single direct mail, every, every TV station commercial that's on, a t has a different phone number. So we have all these different tracking numbers so we can gauge as best as we can, you know, where the marketing is the most effective. Let's talk further about the TV and the print. Cause for anybody that's followed me, you know, that is way outside of my left field, right? I am the king of digital, right? We got the Facebook ads, we got funnels, we got pay-per-click, we got some lead aggregators in there. We got email. At my company, the only marketing we do and the only marketing we've ever done is digital. And, you know, I, I guess I'll kind of say this, but I feel like I am probably one of the top digital marketers out there in the contracting space. I know nothing about TV or print or anything. So let, let's hear this. I mean, let's hear all about this stuff. What does a TV ad look like for you? I mean, can you walk us through, you know, what you think is a win of a TV ad or what's kind of the winning framework of a Chris Carey window ad on TV? Well, once again, you know, I didn't invent this stuff, so I just take notice and, and try to ask questions. But I think that where you got to start is even before the ad, it's buying, buying the TV. Like that's a big part of it because if anybody's, if anybody out there has ever got a quote from a TV station, here's what they do. They, they come in, they say, and I'm just making up numbers. It's not accurate, but we can give you 50 commercials this month for $5,000, right? And then you got TV station number three come in and says, I'll give you a hundred commercials for $5,000. Which one sounds better, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm, 100. But where are those commercials going to be at? Are they going to be on daytime TV? Are they going to be at 3 a.m. in the morning? Or are they going to be at on, I don't know, what's a popular show? I, I don't really watch that much TV, but say there's a show that people record and watch it later. That's probably not a good spot to be in, right? So what's something on TV that people don't record? The news? The news. All of our all of our ads are in the news. So if you can get in the news, people do not record the news. They watch it. And the news watchers, like they're loyal to the news station. They're loyal yeah. to that station, to that channel, and they'll watch it every single day. You know, you get up in the morning, get ready for work at 6 a.m., got to be there at whatever time. Or That's where we put all our spots because you can buy specific spots, but most people, they, the hundred, the hundred channels for $4,000 sounds pretty good or the hundred commercials. So, so you're trying to get in there in the 6am to 9am time slot probably. And then the probably 6pm to 9pm time slots. So the six to 9pm would be great. We'll do those every now and then. A lot of times they're very cost prohibitive, yeah. like very, very expensive in those spots. But it's all about just like in you know your Facebook or digital. It's all about impressions, right? So yeah. you know you figure out who your target demographic is, and then you see how much impressions that specific time spot is going to deliver to your demographic, and that's how you buy the spots. Now, can the TV reporting? Let me cut you off there. Can the TV reporting discern from 
real impressions versus people that are using like a recording program? They they do not do that. No. Okay. So that's why I feel like it's super important to make sure you're in programs that people typically do not record. Because if you're recording, they're gonna fast forward it, you know? Nobody's yeah, of course. Yeah. Recording watch a commercial. Which time slot are you trying to get? Because I was in my mind, I'm seeing the six to nine. Where are you at? Are you trying to, you know, go a little bit later? Most of our commercials are at the beginning of the week, six to nine. And we're on every single, we're on every local, we have four local channels here in Cincinnati. ABC, CBS, CBS, I don't even really watch TV, ABC, NBC. Yep. All the affiliates. We, you know, yeah, so okay. Yeah. And they have their local news. So six to nine is a very good time period. And then the weekends are very inexpensive where, and you can get some good impressions. So we, we take advantage of the low cost on the weekends. And the reason we do that is, you know, you're going to work all, all week, right? I know in my household, I'm not, I'm not thinking about things I need to do or taking action on things I need to do around the house Monday through Friday. Saturday is when I'll think, oh, I need to, I need to paint this room or I need to change this, you know, handle on this door or whatever. I, I do that stuff on the weekends. So we hit Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday very, very hard because on the weekends, people are thinking about things they need to do around the house. Or they're working around the house, you know, cleaning blinds. They notice, man, this window is rotted out when they're cleaning the blinds. So that's our that's our reasoning for that. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're very hard on TV. And you know, the the TV stations, you know, they're they're pretty flexible too with bonus stuff. Like I've always try to negotiate any kind of ad buying we do. You know, you all can't do that. As far as I know, you can't do that with Facebook or Google. No. But print, TV, anything, like they're sending out a salesperson to your office, like they're willing to negotiate. So like all winter long, we'll have spots from December, like early part or mid-December to the end of January. We'll have hundreds and hundreds of TV commercials that we're paying zero dollars for, zero. How do you get that pulled off? Basically, hey, you know, we're going to spend... $150,000 $150,000 with you this month or this week or this year on each station or whatever station is, we're going to spend X amount of dollars. Here's what we're asking for you to do for us in, in the slower months. Cause we're, we get slow in the winter time, you know? So I cut my ads back like almost nothing. And we get a lot of free value for that free spots in the winter time. So right on. So, well, now we know which time of the day you're looking to run kind of the details you're looking to run. What does what your TV ads look like? So, yeah, so that's, the, that's how to place the buy. So there's a couple of things that you want to look at when you're creating an ad, all right? The first one is you want to interrupt what's going on. Pattern interrupt. So, interrupt. So, you know, because you're watching a TV channel or whatever, commercial comes on, you got to have something quick to, to get their attention, right? So that they don't run to the bathroom, whatever. What we use is... A little bit of a prop, I guess you can say. So a lot of people, they love what? They love babies, okay? And they love animals or dogs. So in our ads, we use a yellow lab in the commercial. It's usually at the beginning of the commercial. You know, we've I got this lab puppy that was real little, okay, that I'm holding like this in one of the commercials. Eight months later, we got a commercial, and this thing's like massive. So I'm holding this big-ass dog just like at the beginning of the commercial, and, you know, it'll bark. So that's how we're interrupting what's going on so that it catches their attention. 
and then you try to engage with with the person in front of you right so you want to say hey they're talking to me so we try to hit on pain points you know whatever kind of pain points you have in your business so like you do a screen enclosures you know are bugs getting in your pool area while you're swimming whatever it is so that's trying to engage with the customer they're like yeah bugs do do that yeah then you got their attention right you know and then educate them a little bit about you know your your company or your product and then you got to have a strong offer like why why call why am i going to call you so we're real big on having strong offers so call now to do this or do this or some kind of promotion so that's kind of the makeup of each commercial that we do or ad in general you know you want to have you don't just want to put your name with call me for an estimate you know that's never going to yeah, work no. No. So real big into having a strong offer, something that interrupts what they're doing and a way to engage with the person on the other side of the screen. So you said earlier on that you see traffic spike, you know, in correlation with your TV ads. So tra- website traffic spiking with the TV ads. Are you ever directing them to go online to do it, to claim the offer? Okay. So not really, not really in that sense. So usually it's, you know, our, web, our company name, Windows Direct USA, and actually you can see our logo behind us has a .com mm-hmm. under it. So we wanted to incorporate the, the website and the logo. So throughout the whole entire commercial, there's always going to be a phone number with a tr- that's tracked, and there's always going to be a website the whole time. So there's no period whatsoever where there's not a way to get contact of, off of us. But generally, it's you know we'll have an offer. If you can have a little dangler there, that's, in my opinion, ideal. Like, What's a dangler? Like, not don't give them all the details, right? So it's kind of like dangling a carrot. So go go here to find more. Or we've done a promotion where we actually give away a Amazon. We've given away an Amazon Echo with your free in-home estimate. So if someone wants an estimate, way to entice for them to call us instead of, one of the other 50 window companies here in Cincinnati, we can get a free Amazon Echo with your, with your in-home estimate. So with that, you know, we'd have a commercial, hey, you know, we're having this promotion, half off labor or whatever it is. Plus, if you go to our website right now, for the first 50 people, you get a free Amazon Echo with your in-home estimate. Something to that sort. Yeah. So, you know, I would rather them call the phone number then go to the website because they get to I, the I website. It's a lot. It's real easy to get distracted, right? Mm-hmm. Or you got some, you got another company with some, you know, slick Google AdWord campaign that has Windows Direct in the name. Yeah, they're clicking on it. Don't they're ending up on. And, and besides that, the phone call is just a much stronger connection than submitting that estimate request. So yeah, we we focus try to focus on on the phone number, but you know some people do go to the website. So with Anytime we're mentioning our company name and we have the logo, it's windowsdirectusa.com. That's our company name, windowsdirectusa.com, windowsdirectusa.com. That way we don't have to take up a lot of real estate space with the website. You know, they can just hear it over and over Mm -hmm. and they don't have to try to figure out, well, what's their website address, right? So adding the .com is, that took place probably about seven or eight months ago just to change up the branding a little bit and try to get that more phone call focused. So we don't have to use the real estate space with the logo and then also somewhere for the website. So driving more people to the phone call is your ultimate goal. Yeah. And most of your call to actions will be call now to claim this or call now to get whatever the offer is. 
Yeah, so, you know, we like to have expiration dates. We change up our offer somewhat regularly. Always got to keep it new, unique, and different. Yeah, so we don't we don't keep it the same. So, you know, we'll have an expiration date. and We, you know, it's a real expiration date. We're not just fluffing it, which a lot of companies do. So our current offer, just to give you an idea, our current offer is 50% off installation. Sorry, our cost to install it. So 50% off the install. Well, it doesn't cover the cost of the window, obviously. So they still got to pay for the product and all that stuff. Absolutely. But if they call right now within a certain time, they can take an additional 10% off their entire offer. So that gives them an incentive. Hey, I need, you know, I need to take care of this now instead of waiting six months. You know, and it creates a little bit of a sense of urgency as well. It does. Because a lot of people, you know, nobody wants to buy windows, right? No, no. Yeah. They want to forget about them. Yeah. Right. They'd rather buy a car or, or what they buy them because they need them. And, you know, they'll put them off until there's freaking water sitting on their living room floor or there's, or whatever. They'll put them off as long as they can. So we've got to try to create a little bit of urgency. That's good stuff. All very powerful stuff, man. Thank you for sharing that. Before we wind it down, cause we're almost out of time here. Let me ask one final question. What is your ultimate ROI that you feel that you get with TV ads? That's kind of a burning question in here. Are you spending one dollar on TV ads to make three dollars, or where are you at? So you know the the TV is the hardest thing that we have to try. Okay? I agree. Uh, yeah, because like I said, a lot of people see the TV and they see it, and then they'll go online, right? Or you know, with print, the print stuff that we use, we actually have a coupon, so everybody's you know they want to take advantage of that coupon. So they're, it's always going to if they got it from print, we know about it one hundred percent of the time. TV is a little more difficult. What I can say is, you know, we've built our business to have a around a 15% marketing budget. Okay. So if we do, you know, 7 million, y'all spend a million dollars in advertising. What I can say is from day one, that has not changed. And I didn't do TV until, you know, we were a $3 million company. So that tells me that it's, it's around the same. So for every million dollars I want to do in revenue, I need to add 150K to the budget. And it's, and it's worked like that in my other markets, like clockwork. Like if I, so I've set a budget this year, target to do 12 million. I know exactly what I need to spend in marketing to hit that goal. Gotcha. And you're trying, you're keeping that right at 15%. Right at 15%. Nice. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's, and here's the thing is there's, we can get that down if I wanted to get that down. You know, all kinds of like digital companies, they'll, they'll come to me and they'll say, hey, we can do your digital with an 8% marketing spend. It's like, all right, great. Yeah, we can get you 60 leads a month with an 8% marketing spend. I'm like, right now I'm getting 150 leads a month. Mm-hmm. I, I would really have the 150 leads a month at a 15% marketing spend than 60 leads or however many at an 8% marketing spend. You've got that growth mentality. I can make that work, right? Yep. So. As long as you, you set the right price, okay, on your product and provide enough value, then 15% is, is easily doable to make a business work. And, then, you know, I'm, when I get to a point to where I'm like, all right, this is the size of company I, w- I want to have, then I think it would be pretty easy to, to kind of reel that marketing stuff in. Because the more sales you get, the more referrals you get, the more repeat customers you get. Momentum, man. It all just keeps exactly. building up. Momentum. So I'm nowhere near the company I want to be. So I'm just, I'm pushing and pushing and pushing, trying different things. Like I'll do, I'll do marketing things and just waste money because it's like, well, that didn't work, you know? 
But if you don't try it, you don't know if it's going to work or not. So I'm not scared to try things. I'll, you know, if something seems like a good idea, we'll, we'll put some marketing dollars toward, towards it. We'll test it. You know, give, you got to give it a few months because now your thing is instant. And if it doesn't work out, we'll pull it and we'll try to figure out something else to do. So. Yeah, it's like the one book, Good to Great, Fire Bullets and Cannons. Not sure if you've ever heard that. I have heard that. But that's what it is. You know, try a bunch of little things, see what works. And then, you know, once you kind of, once one of the little bullets hits a target, then you kind of fire the cannon at it. That's yep. the whole philosophy behind it. That sounds like exactly what you're doing there. That's exactly right. All right. Well, Chris, time to call it a wrap on this podcast episode. Thank you for joining us here today. Hopefully we have you back in a year and next year your company's doing 15 million a year in revenue. That's the plan. That would be the plan. With five franchises. With five franchises, man. I know you'll get there. I don't know if it'll be in a year or two or if it'll be a year or not, but I, I'm. if anyone can do it, I have confidence that you can after speaking with you, man, and hearing from you and hearing what you've been up to. So thanks for joining us today on the podcast. For those of us, for those of you guys out there listening, if you want to connect with Chris, best way to do it, look for the Home Perk Marketing and Sales Lounge somewhere in the link below this podcast episode. Join in there and look for the, well, I guess you can always just at tag Chris. I was going to say, look for the, look for the link to this podcast episode, the thread in there on this podcast. But, you know, after a couple of days, that'll probably be buried. So you can always drop a comment in there, mention Chris's name and I'll, you know, try to connect you to, or you can just at tag Chris Carey and we'll get in touch with you. Thank you again, Chris, for joining me on the Contractor Momentum Podcast. Thanks for the invite. That's a wrap on this episode of the Contractor Momentum Podcast. If you have any questions for myself or my guest about what we covered, head on over to the Facebook group. Just look for the link around the podcast player and make a new post.